0: Good morning, everyone. Turn your Bibles, Mark chapter 12. Last week we started a series called Pursuit. Pursuit means a running after, and of course you see the picture there of the mountain, but I want to show you another picture this morning that's a picture of the Christian life. It's not an individual in pursuit of uh, 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 of the top of the peak, but that represents you and I as believers walking after God, Not always easy, sometimes it's difficult, but there's a goal we're striving towards. There's something we're trying to reach. And the intent of this sermon series is to hopefully inspire you to make your number one priority in this new year, a pursuit of God and His will for your life. Uh, Last week we started this series with a pursuit of discipleship. Discipleship is a mindset that I'm not just a believer in Christ, I'm a follower of Christ. Christianity is not just what I do on Sunday morning, but it's who I am on on Monday and Tuesday. Well, this morning I want to talk about what I think is the most foundational aspect of the Christian life, our pursuit of God. And when I share these words, our pursuit of God, I'm, I'm talking about in a very, very real way that God wants a personal relationship with you and I. I was not raised that way, and I'm not referring to something mystical, you know, where you sit on the floor and turn the lights down and light incense and hope, you know, you have an incantation or something. I'm talking about the reality that God is near. I'm talking about living every day of your life, whether things are great or things are not so great, with a knowing that my God loves me, He cares for me, He sustains me. Uh, Jesus was asked in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 12, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, that's a pretty big Pretty big question, because if you look in your Bible, my Bible, this is a study Bible, it's got 1,800 pages in it. If you can imagine picking one verse that is the greatest commandment in all of that scripture, it is a verse that deals with our personal relationship with God. It doesn't deal with Christian duty, obligation, or service, but it's relational. Listen to the words of Jesus. When asked which commandment is the most important of all, Jesus said this, verse 30, you shall say this with me love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This idea of loving the Lord, it is the Greek word agape, it is the most significant type of love, it is the deepest love. There are several words for love in the New Testament. Agape is the deepest form of commitment, it is devotion. It is the love that a mother has when her little baby or her husband, perhaps, as a wife or spouse, wakes up in the middle of the night sick and vomiting with the flu, willingly gets up and cares for that child, not because she likes the experience, but because she loves the baby. It's agape love. Phileo love is a feeling love. It's it's what friends enjoy. It's what uh, it's what two men have in a bass tournament uh, until one of them uh, breaks the other one's pole and they're no longer experiencing phileo love towards one another. Uh, there is eros love. It is a sexual love. It is a lustful. It is a lust type of love. But what Jesus is saying is love him with all your heart. It is a it is a comprehensive term. It is very personal. When Jesus talks about all your heart, he's talking about our whole being, the essence of who we are. Uh, You don't have to be around a person very long to know what they're, we say, what you're into, what excites you, what motivates you. Uh, You know, maybe it's style that motivates you, maybe it's power, uh, maybe it's athletics, maybe it's a hobby or a sport. But I don't know about you or me, but I want to be known as someone who's in love with God. Uh, you can tell if you're around two people very long whether they hate each other, or love each other, and they could have a ring on their finger. You understand? This is the most important thing. Loving the Lord with all your heart, uh, with all your soul is your emotions. Uh, it, it brings a feeling component. Our mind is our intellect. Our strength is our will or our energy. But this passage, uh, the Jews uh, in Jesus' day knew this is what was called the Shema. They recited this verse twice a day, morning and evening. And they even have, if you've read through the Gospels, and Jesus talked something about something called a phylactery, it was literally a small box where these pious Jews would write a verse on a piece of parchment, put it in the box, they would attach it to their arm or even to their forehead, and this is the verse they would put on it. But the strange thing is these were the same people that crucified Christ. So the essence of who we are in relationship is supposed to be a personal love but how I many you know it can degenerate into rules and regulations and other type things. Well, this is where I want to focus today because the most important thing in all of life is our relationship with God. And this morning, I hope that I can pursue you to have a desire to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God. Uh, perhaps you may be here because somebody made you come or bribed you, but probably you're here is because at some level in your life, you love God, you believe in God. Well, my hope today is I can show you how to love God in a deeper way, how to have a more meaningful relationship with God so your Christianity is not skin deep, it's not Sunday morning only, but it's something that follows you every day, every hour of your life, not because you have to, but because you want to. So this this morning's message, Pursuit of God, and uh, let's begin here. Uh, first point this morning I want to make is that I want to show you biblically that God indeed wants relationship with us, but it's a two-way street. He wants us to pursue Him. Uh, if you can remember a time in your life, perhaps in high school, and, and you liked somebody, but they didn't like you back. I mean, no, that's not very fun. And then before you know it, this person didn't like you back. Now, you're going to get even with them on Facebook or some other way. But God not only likes us, He wants us to like Him. He wants relationship. Well, you're created this way. If you recall in the book of Genesis, when Adam was created, it was a perfect place the Bible says, in the cool of the day, in other words, the evening time, it says God would walk with Adam and Eve and they would talk with one another. Uh, imagine if Adam would walk through the garden and, and, and show him something that he had seen. Uh, I got a picture this week from my mom. She, she loves to garden and she's growing some flowers in her living room in the middle of the winter and they're blooming and she wants to make me jealous, I think. So she sent me this picture. But can you imagine Adam walking with God through the garden and, and daffodils, spring daffodils are blooming in the Garden of Eden, and, he, and he, he wants to show the Lord. You know, if you have someone you care about, you want to show them what you're doing and show them your accomplishments. So God had relationship there. If you jumped ahead to the end of the Bible, the Bible shows us what heaven's going to be like. In Revelation 21, verse 3, it says, Behold, the, the dwelling place of God is with man. Dwelling place implies you're in the same household together. Uh, Yesterday, uh, I had lunch in my home, and my wife was there, and and, and Bethany, my daughter, and Rebecca, my daughter, were there, and they were picking on me. You were. (laughs) Three girls, one guy. You know how it goes. Anyway, I had neighbors on the street. I had other people I passed by on the way to church. I didn't have a clue who they were. I knew them arm's length. But there's something about dwelling and living with people that's different. It's closeness. It's intimacy. The Bible goes on to say God will dwell with them, that's us, we'll be His people and God Himself will be with us as our God. One day you'll see God face to face. So it's clear in Genesis God wanted relationship, in heaven we have relationship, but how about now? Is it possible to live each day with the awareness that God is near? Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. It's some of the most dramatic words of the Bible John 14, Jesus said this, he who loves me, remember the great commandment, he'll be loved by my Father. We love God. God loves us back. Jesus Christ said, I love him and I will manifest myself to him or reveal myself. Verse 23, it gets better. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my word and my Father will love him. And Jesus said, we will come and make our home with him. So somehow on this earth, in the nasty now and now, God wants to make his home with you. And my friends, it's a different type of love. I was able to see Rebecca and I was able to see Linnell and I was able to touch them. But it's normal to have relationship with God even though we can't see him or touch him. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1. It says, though you have not seen him, him, you love him. You've not seen him, you love him. The world would say you're crazy. Modern psychiatrists, perhaps, or, 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 sec, or the secular mind would mock the Christian, but multiplied millions of us, billions of us, arguably, around the world know that what it means to have a real relationship with a real God. We don't have to see Him to believe in Him. The Bible goes on to say, you don't see Him now, but you believe in Him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. How can something make you so happy and so much joy with a person, a real person that you can't see a real? Well, the Bible says it's possible and it's normal for Christians. Now, I want to spend the rest of my message talking about two things. Because our love for God can either grow deeper, our, our relationship with God can become more meaningful. Uh, if you've seen people that uh, have been married perhaps 60 years or so, or 50, years, we've been married 35 years you just see something about people who want to be with each other. Uh, you see them holding hands at, 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 all the time. They're just drawn to each other. So your relationship with God can mature or, or, or we can, our love for God can fade. And our pursuit of God can turn into going to church on Sunday, maybe reading the Bible. or. But, but God has a box that we put Him in, and, and He has a small part of our life. Uh, let's talk about this. Revelation 2 about our, our love fading Revelation 2, to the angel, the angelos, the messenger, or a leader of the church in Ephesus, Jesus is, is dictating this letter through John the Beloved. In verse 2, Jesus said to these Christians, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and you cannot bear with those that are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles, but they're not, and you found that they're false. In other words, he's talking to Christian people. He's saying... You're doing good things, you've got good works, you've got character, you're enduring. You know true doctrine, you're defending the truth, but something is missing. Verse 4, he said, I I have this against you, and say this with me, you have abandoned abandoned the love you had at first. One translation says, you don't love me, or you don't love other people as you did when you first became a Christian. Now, scholars disagree on on the object of this love. You've abandoned the love you had at first. This is the word agape. This is the deep love, the the deep commitment, the devotion. Many scholars believe that this is referring to their devotion towards Christ. Though they were still doing some Christian things, their heart had grown shallow in their relationship with the Lord. Uh, I wonder if you're here today and you can remember like I can. Times in my life when perhaps my devotion to the Lord, my love, my commitment. Because love is not just a feeling. The feeling love is the, more of the phileo. It's the friendship. It's the I like you. But can you remember a time when your devotion to Christ, your commitment to Him, your desire to be with Him, your desire to worship Him, your desire to understand the Bible and, and do spiritual things with your life. Can you remember a time when it was more vibrant than it is today? And I don't say that to condemn you or make you feel bad. Uh, I, I'm not saying that the Christian life is all one long honeymoon. But what I am saying, there's an ebb and flow. Uh, uh, we've been married 35 years, and there are times that, uh, I guess I've got to be honest, there's times that our relationship has been on a plateau. And I wish Linnell would just change. <laughs> but I realized it wasn't her that needed to change. I realized that it was me. I realized there were some expectations that I had of her. And I was trying to make her be and do things that she just was not. And when I began to accept it, not only who she was, but who she wasn't. And for the person that she was, I was able to cross a bridge. And I hope you can identify with this because marriage on earth in the New Testament is, depicts Christ and the bride of Christ, which is us. But, but our love can grow cold. And I want to spend the, next, the, the last part of my time with you talking about two things. What causes our love for God to fade? What causes my love for God to get kind of, I don't know, at at a plateau and routine? But what, what kind of things can I do in my life, the life can I live, that can make God become more real and meaningful to me? So I think this will help you today. Let me give you a couple things, what causes love to fade. And the first one is just very broad, and I'll just say it this way, life happens, I mean we get busy it's not something deliberate we get distracted stressed overwhelmed with problems but we just wake up one day and we just realize there's a distance between us and our savior we 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 look back and we think that you know maybe you get a text in the mail about encouraging in our and our bible reading and you just it just i don't know it just, you just used to like to read the bible and want, but now i mean i remember when i was first became a christian it was just i had a radical conversion I many you know, if you, the Bible says, if you've been forgiven much, you love much. And sad to say, I was a very worldly person when I was a couple years in my high school experience. And when I came to the Lord, it was just like reading the Bible was just like, you know, a treasure map. And I remember when I was in the Navy, I would have what was called a watch in the middle of the night. And basically, I was there to guard the airplane from the pigeons. And uh, it wasn't much of a job, but you just had to be up all night. I'd take this little New Testament that Gideon gave me, and I would read the book of First Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus and would read some more, but my watch was over. There was a hunger. There was a, a longing for God. But, but somehow just life happens, whether it's church. I mean, maybe there was a time in your life where you couldn't wait to come and worship. I mean, I, I like to sing a little bit, but I don't sing very good. But I really love worshiping in church. But maybe there's something happens and it's just kind of like you lose it. Life happens to all of us. And again, our relationship with God is like a marriage. We have to work on it because if we wait for the feelings to change, the feelings may never change. But life happens. It happens to all of us. Now, here's a, a next one. I'm sorry to say I can relate to it, but it's very, very real. One reason that causes my love to fade, and it's probably the biggest one, is we do things that displease God. The Bible calls it sin. Uh, in your marriage, for example, let's say one of you is uh, starting to watch porn, and uh, rather than you just pursuing it in the dark, it's starting to pop up on your phone, and uh, you're, you're, you're with your wife, and uh, I don't know, you're watching TV or something, it pops up and here's this little porno image, and rather than hiding or ignoring it, you start interacting with it. Now, how many know she's not going to be uh, very excited about that. Oh, hope she slugs you, hope she calls the church, and we'll send somebody big to come over to the house. <laughs> I'd, like for, I'd like for anybody that's here uh, uh, over over 6'2 and 225, would you stand, please, 6'2, 225, <laughs> 6'5? We'll send somebody your way. But anyway, you know, you understand what I'm trying to say. If all you want to do is hang out with your with your guy friends, whatever, and go hunt, or conversely, all you want to do is hang out with your girlfriends and play bunco and bingo and whatever you do, A little bit of that's okay, but pretty soon it's going to affect your marriage. Sin affects our relationship with God. Uh, Psalm 51, you know David, and here's a wonderful story both of of honesty yet hope. David in the Bible is described as a man after God's own heart. Now, there's no other description, I think, that could be higher about, about our love for God. But you know David committed adultery and murder? He committed adultery and then he murdered one of his friends. Now, that's pretty bad. And he wrote this psalm, Psalm 51, after it was exposed. And here's what he said. He said, Lord, turn turn your face away from my sins. Wipe out my guilt. Give me a, create in me a pure heart and make my spirit right again. Now, I don't know about you, but I try to keep a tender conscience. And when I mess up, I feel bad. But if you keep doing it long enough, you harden your heart. And that's the dangerous thing with sin. Sin is like a, I hope you're very concerned about saturated fats (laughs) because your, your, your pipes are clogging up on the inside. Well, that's what sin does to us. It hardens us gradually. David said, don't send me away from you. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That wonderful sense of God's presence. Have you ever just come to church or maybe been in your private devotions and you just cried? Not because you were sad or sorry, you just were overwhelmed with God. Well, how many know you can slap God in the face, with, as it were, with, with our sin? It pushes the spirit away. And here's what he said, oh, give me back my joy of my salvation. Give me, keep me strong with a willing spirit to follow you. So that, that's one that willful sin will affect our relationship with God. Listen, I, you and I deal with it every day. I've been a Christian 40 years, and and my sins mostly are not external that other people are seeing or hearing, but I know I've got my own struggles in my heart. Come on now. I've got my struggles in my mind and with my attitudes. Tell your neighbor he's preaching better than Ray Minning this morning. Here's another one that if you want to separate yourself from God and stifle spirituality, uh, how many know we can have an idol in our life? And I don't mean just a little, you know, Buddha statue in the Chinese restaurant with incense on it. An idol can occupy our heart. It's spiritual adultery. The first of the Ten Commandments was not to have any other gods except me. And I'm not talking about, uh, about gods like polytheism that worships trees and animals and sticks and stars. First John 5:21 focuses, it says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And an idol is an object of worship. Listen now, an idol is anything that takes God's place in our heart. Let me say it again. An idol is anything that takes God's place in our heart. It can be a person. How many know we're, certainly we're supposed to love our spouses and our kids, but how many know we're not supposed to love them more than God? How many know we're supposed to work, thank God for the freedom to work, to be able to earn a living, to be able to use our gifts, our energies to find satisfaction, but how many know our job can become an idol? And and this is a challenge, particularly for men. Because as men in particular, we find our identity in scoring the touchdown. We find our identity in catching the ball and throwing him out. We find our identity in being a supervisor, a business owner, driving the company, vehicle, or whatever the case is. And it's a good thing, but if we're not careful, as soon as we wake up in the morning, we can start thinking about work. And we work all day and go to bed thinking about work. And if we're not careful, God can get lost in the picture. And all the while, people at work are patting us on the back what a good person we are. We're neglecting our family. We're neglecting our relationship with God, but we get the little pin. Are you with me today? It can be an idol. Our hobbies can be an idol. Uh, Probably most hobbies other than duck hunting and turkey hunting could easily become an idol in your life. I told somebody last night, I said we were talking about golf, and I play golf about once a year, so I don't have to worry about golf being an idol, but I do have to worry. See, and I can't tell you where to draw the line in your life between your passion. If you're passionate about sports and, 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 and you know, uh, you load up the car with your friends, you drive to Dallas and you watch a Mavs game and you come back home, nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is if there's no God, are you with me? If I get up every morning and go duck hunting and I forget my quiet time and I stop going to church in duck season, something shifts a bit in life. I cannot expect to have a deep, meaningful relationship with God if other things are more important. Let me give you one more. And uh, this is is one that I have to be careful of. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we say no. Ephesians uh, 4, verse 30, uh, and this has the effect of pushing God away. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, uh, One translation says, don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Now, let me, let me, if I could interject. Let's say we're friends, and I call you up and say, uh, "Hey, uh, hey, let's go hunting tomorrow morning." And you say, "Oh man, I just... Oh, let's, let's don't do that. L- let's go to the game again. Uh, let's go, let's go to the game tomorrow night. No, I just, I, I, I just can't. Okay." And you call me next week, and you say, "Hey, uh, they're playing the playoff game. It's going to be, I don't know, in Tyler. Uh, you want to go with me? We're going to leave right after work." Well, I don't know. And then the week after that, hey, it's the state finals. Uh, Why don't you ride with me? Listen, take my car. I'll pay the gas. And come on, I'll even pay the room. Well, I just just don't feel like going. Do you think I'm going to get an invitation again? Because I've said no three times. And how many know we can say no to God sometimes? And if we say no to God long enough, we, we, we lose that sensitivity. See, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And verse 31, the next thing he says... Get rid of bitterness and rage, but be kind and forgiving. So what's the implication? Let's say you've hurt me. Uh, You know, at work, let's say the promotion was mine, the job was mine, that you lied, you pushed your way in, you did me dirty. And somebody needs to get even with you. Are you with me today? It should probably be me. You know, you took the contract right from out under me. You stole my email. You hacked my email. You knew what my bid was. You got the bid, and now I'm going to lose part of my company. I'm mad. And you're plotting vengeance, you're plotting how you're going to get even, you're plotting how you're going to punish, and what's growing in your heart is bitterness and rage and anger, and it's about to turn into brawling and slander. But the Holy Spirit says, be kind and compassionate and forgive. And now you're having this struggle on the inside, because the Holy Spirit is telling you one thing, and now we've got to decide if we're going to say yes or no to the prompting of the Lord. Well, how many know if I continue to say no, what's going to happen, and I punish you, I get even, I post on Facebook about you, You know, I go by your house and I wave my middle finger at you, I throw beer bottles at your mailbox, you understand what I'm talking about today. That's a joke, okay? Come on, just lighten up a little bit. What's going to happen is it's going to affect my relationship with God. You're squirming on me this morning, that could be dangerous. Uh, Let's move on now about... If these are things that can affect my relationship with God, just life happens, sin in my life, an idol, or grieving the Holy Spirit saying no, uh, how much, ha, 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 there's some things that we can do that will cause a relationship to grow deeper. And uh, I want to share, uh, Revelation chapter 2, let's, let's go back there in these last couple minutes, because you and I can have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God. It's just like a marriage. Uh, If your marriage is in trouble, what do you want to do? You want to get help to make your marriage stronger so you have joy once again. And this is possible with God. The Bible says in James 4, come close to God and God will do what? Come Come close to you. Let's see some ways to do this. And here's the first one. It's from Revelation chapter 2. We can deepen our relationship with God by doing the things we did at first. Now, I think this is the most important part of my message today because it relates back to what we read in Revelation about the people. Remember, they left their first love. And when we pick up on that, here's the very next verse, verse 5. He says, remember from where you have fallen, repent, and what's it say? Do the works you did at first. There's nothing more profound I can tell you in this morning's message today if you need to rekindle the love for God that you have lost do the things you, you did it first. Another translation says, change your hearts and, and do what you did. So, so here's the question. What was I doing? What was my life like when I was closest to God? Can I tell you the biblical pattern? Start doing it again whether you feel like it or not. Because here's the problem. If we wait till we feel like doing it, we may never do it. But if we'll begin to do those things, see, it's a principle. My feeling follows my actions. I don't wait for my actions to follow feelings. You say, well, how can that be true? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is... So he didn't say, get your heart there and then treasure's going to follow. He said, wherever you put your money, your heart's going to be there. Which means your actions. And I'm not talking about giving now. You do anything with your money. I guarantee you, if you buy... A, a, a lifetime membership to a golf course, and if you buy a brand new uh, uh, golf cart, uh, you're going to play a lot of golf. And there's nothing wrong with golf. This is just the way life works, that where we put our, our energies, what we do. Now if you're here today and say, how's that applying to my relationship with God? How about this? How about if you want to rekindle something in your in your life, after you have lunch today, get something extra and bring it to someone's house who's sick. This afternoon before you go home, stop by the hospital if you know someone who's sick. Stop by the jail and visit somebody. Pick up a brand new Bible. Whenever my Bible reading gets stale because I mark my Bible up, I write notes in it, I get a brand new one like I've never read it before. And I begin to read it again. Maybe it's like this men's conference or this ladies' conference. But there are things that you can do. There's some very practical things that stirred you when it all began. And I promise you, it'll stir you again. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good good hand. (laughs) Let me give you another one. And this this is the words of Jesus himself. We deepen our relationship with God when we follow his commandments. Now listen to what Jesus said. John 14... Jesus said, if you love me. I mean, no, it's not a requirement. It's not an absolute. It's not automatic. But if you really love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one that loves me. And what does Jesus say? I will love him and manifest myself to him. Isn't that what we're looking for? So what does that mean? That means God's love language is you and I doing things in the Bible not because we have to, but because we want to. That it makes God, God happy. And let me maybe illustrate this. Uh, in the Miller household a couple nights ago, I mentioned to Linnell that morning, I said, I sure would like some of that quickie chili that you make. It was cold outside, you know, and sit by the fire, a lot of tomatoes and a lot of beans in it. I mean, like bean chili? Let me see your hand here. How many sources? just like meat chili? God help all of you. Well, anyway... <laughs> I like the beans and the onions and everything. So that's what I wanted. So I go in uh, that evening, and and I smell this fragrance coming from the kitchen. And I looked on the stove, and there's this big old pot of chili. But right next to it, it's chicken and dumplings. And I say, what are you doing? I said, we don't need but one meal. And she said, well, I know you wanted the chili, but Rebecca wanted chicken and dumplings. And I said, honey, you didn't need to do that. You could have just cooked the chili. Why did she do that? It's her love language. And when she knew we both wanted something, and we're both Rebecca wants what she wants and I want what I... But Linnell said, and she was tired. She didn't stay home all day. She works outside the home. But she wanted to do something that was special for people that she loved and cared about. That's her love language. Can I tell you, it's God's love language when you forgive those that don't deserve forgiveness when you show kindness to your enemies, when you honor your mother and father, come on, when you tell the truth and are not honest, rather than stealing, you return something. These are all commandments, and sometimes people view them as constraints for happiness, when actually what it is, it's the way to tell the Lord, come on, I like chili with extra beans in it. Give him a good good hand here. Let me give you one more. If you want to deepen your relationship with God, not only do we want to begin doing those things we did at first, uh, obeying His commandments, but but I'll say it this way. We deepen our relationship when we spend time each day talking to God, worshiping, and, and reading His Word every day. Uh, let me give you an immutable fact in life. If you want to have a relationship that's growing and vibrant and real with someone, you've got to spend time with them. Uh, do you? Do you? Do you ever get these little notes on Facebook that said, uh, if you're really my friend, click here and uh, send me a, a GIF? I don't even know what a GIF is. But, but, but it's, like, it's like people are wanting relationship and they're just asking me to do more work on Facebook. So if I don't respond to you, please know that it has nothing to do with love. I just get bored with Facebook. But if you want to have a relationship with God, it, it, it's spelled T-I-M-E. It's just like you're raising kids or you're raising teenagers. Listen, it's great to hold them, you know, when they're when they're, when they're they're giggly and bubbly and all that. But guess what? It means relationship. Uh, we have our first grandson. He's four months. We saw him at Christmas. And uh, Linnell's going to Thailand in a couple of weeks uh, on a missions trip. And she said, I want to go see my baby before before uh, 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 my trip because otherwise I'm going to have to wait two weeks. And then my ladies, you know, ladies retreat. So we were supposed to go next Sunday. But... Uh, we got some pictures of him that he's got the sniffles. So we're going today after church. Because, and, and, and why is that? We want relationship with that little boy. They send me a picture every day. I ask him for a picture and he sends me one. And a picture's okay, but I want relationship. I want to hold him. I, I, I want to hear him go pop 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 pop-pops, pop pop, 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 pop pop You pop know, I, I want to talk to him. I want to be able to tell him I love him. And and isn't it just possible that our heavenly father, think of the terminology, our heavenly father and we're his children, wants the same thing from us. So how do we do that? Every day taking a little time to worship, to pray, which is talking to God and being with him, and taking some time to read the Bible. I cannot think of a more important time of my day. Uh, Mary, if I could give you a couple of scriptures in Luke 10 Mary would sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him teach. Mark chapter 1, Jesus the man wanted to be with his father so he'd get up early in the morning. He leaves the house. He goes to an isolated place and he prayed. Not because he had to, but as he wanted the fellowship. 1 Peter 2 says, as a newborn baby, desire the pure milk of the word. Psalm 62, 8, David said, pour out your heart to him. So, what I'm saying is, as you go into this new year, if you want your relationship with God to grow deeper and be more meaningful, carve out some time in the morning. I, I can't wait, to, for me, I can't wait till late at night, till after I've watched 30 minutes of TV, I'm in the bed, and I'm holding my eyes open like that. How I many know you're not going to get much traction with God? You're going to wake up with the Bible, you know, you've rolled on top of it. For me, it's in the morning. Whenever I wake up, I just gauge myself to give me a little time. If on a day that I might miss that time and have slept in or whatever the case is, I turn the radio off in the car, and on my way to work, I want to spend some time talking to God. Even on our app, you can just listen to the Bible if you don't have time to read it. The point of all of this is, is it's not just an obligation or a duty, but it's like us driving to Rogers, Arkansas, come on, and we do it because we love that child, and we want him to love us in return. And that, my friend, I cannot tell you anything else that would help you more deeply is if you would take some time each day to be with God, if you would begin to do those things you did before when you were close to God, and if you would begin to do the things Jesus told you to do. How many know, friends, your relationship with God is going to do that, and you'll never regret it? Give him a good hand. He's worthy of praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? We're going to close in prayer this morning and just pray that we have a God moment together. But you see, this is what we do as a church. If you ask, Pastor, what's the mission of the church? What are you all here for? What, what, What are you all about? I'd say, well, we want to do what Jesus told us to do is make as many disciples as we can. And we say this little phrase, we want to help people connect to God. Friends, ministry in the world. But connecting to God is the most important, if I can say, service we offer. We want to give people, as many people as we can, an opportunity to come to Christ, to be saved, to know they're going to heaven when they die. You can have that opportunity today in a moment. We give opportunity for people to be baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, this weekend worship experience. Uh, uh, We encourage daily Bible reading. All these things are connecting to God. But you know what? Nobody can make you do that. I mean, no. Nobody can force me to have a deep relationship with God any more than anybody can force me to love my wife. But you know what? My my, my relationship with God is not automatic and not accidental. That if I want it to grow deeper, I mean, no. There's a path before us, yeah. Yeah. and I don't know about you, but as I go into this new year, I'm choosing that path. How about you? Yeah. 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 We love you, Lord. Let's just close, bow our heads just a moment, and before you. Turn off, forget the restaurant, just a moment, or lunch. The Bible says don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. And there's a lot of wonderful things God did this day. In our prayer time, God helped us when we are afraid. He told us He's near. We don't have to worry about the future. God spoke to us and said if we're running away from Him, He's not here to condemn us, but He wants us to come back to Him. And he's been telling us for about 30 minutes now that he wants a deeper relationship with him. Holy Spirit, I I really believe I speak for everyone in this room today. We do want you to be more real to us. Not an emotion, not a feeling, but a deep, deep, deep settled reality that God is near and God is real. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me to do my part. Help me to begin to once again do those things I did when I was close to you. Help me, Lord, see that Bible is not just the thou shalt, but it's the love language of God. And, Lord, I want to make chili and chicken and dumpling steak, whatever whatever you want, because I love you. Help us, Holy Spirit, today. Help us arrange our schedules to make time for God in the morning and let it follow us all day long. I want to ask you one more thing to pray about. If you keep your eyes open. Close and head bowed for just a moment because I, I've been talking this morning primarily to Christians people that have a relationship with God and let me tell you something I did not know as a child I didn't know that there had to be a starting place with my relationship with God it's like if you're going to ride a train across America you got to go to the train station the train stops you got to get on board and then you begin to move well, the way to get on board in your Christian life is receiving Christ as your Savior. I, I didn't know that it was a very deliberate choice and act on my part that I needed to ask God to forgive me for my sins and that I needed to personally receive Christ as my Savior. But I'll tell you, friends, I did that when I was a teenager, August 15th, 1976. I bowed my head and I said, God, I've done wrong in my life. I want to ask you to forgive me, and I want to ask you, Jesus, to come in my life and be my Lord and Savior. And I want to ask you, Lord, to give me a brand new life because today I'm going to follow you. I'm telling you, friends, it's a change that can happen to all of us. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I feel like you're talking to me right now. I'm ready to make that commitment to get right with God. I need God to forgive me, and I need to get on board because I'm ready to start following Christ. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real high? We want to pray for you today. Lift your hand real high. Just wave it at me today so I can see. I see your hand. I see yours too, sir. Come on, wave your hand real high. Let me see you here. Yeah, give me a big hand. God bless you too, sir. I see you. Anyone else say, pray for me. I, I I want to get my life right with God today. I'm ready to get on board for the Lord. All right. Yeah, I see you too, dear. Here's how we're going to close our service. Uh, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front, and they're going to be here to pray for anything you might have need of. Uh, maybe you know you felt good about making this commitment to you know follow the Lord and all that but it's going to be hard when you step out in the world let somebody pray with you kind of seal the deal we'll pray about anything though you like but you that lifted your hands just a second ago or you wanted to lift your hands I don't want a thing from you I'm not trying to get you to join the church but Jesus Christ said this if you confess me before men I'll confess you before the Father but if you if you deny me before men I'll deny you before the Father there's something very public and powerful about a public profession of Christ. And if you'd like to make that step as a follower of the Lord, we're going to invite you, when we begin to sing, to just come and meet one of our pastors at the cross. We'd like to pray for you and give you some information to help you because, friends, listen, people will clap their hands. They will rejoice with you because when we go out in the world, how many know we're going out as different people because we want Jesus to be the Lord of our life. So let's just sing this last song now, Pastor Nick. If you need prayer, come let us pray for you. If you're here today, you're making a commitment to Christ. We want to to see you at the altar. It'll be the best step you ever made. I love you. Come for prayer.